It's episode seven of the Sick Esports Podcast, a weekly podcast about the business of esports and the esports business. This week, April 4th, we write the book on the Olympics Esports Initiative, proposing nine new games that could meet their standards. After that, we'll talk Activision Blizzard, a company that does not want you to Google the words Activision Blizzard Boss. And wrap things up by talking about two high-profile teams exiting the LCS, Riot's franchise North American League of Legends League. I'm Matt Covey-Samuelson, joined by Thomas T.J. James. We have all that and more after this. Matthew Covey-Samuelson, last week that we recorded this podcast, which was now two weeks ago, we talked about the Olympics. And we had a little bit of, we had a very confusing time talking about the Olympics. The Olympics for, I think, three iterations now has been interested in esports. This year they announced several nine new games that are officially part of the Olympics competition in their own segregated esports section, which is kind of what they did last time, but different this time, trust. Um, and those games are inexplicable. Do you remember the list? All I remember is that it included Just Dance, the all-time esports classic. Uh, obviously, the competition that I'm looking forward to, and also that the list did not include Ren Sport for whatever reason. So uh, that, that's what I remember from the list. Um, so the the list is Gran Turismo and Just Dance as like the most recognizable names there. Gran Turismo, the Sony PlayStation racing game. Just Dance, the console dancing game Gran Turismo I think the only one on this list that is an esport where I'm just like oh okay sure people can play Gran Turismo competitively Just Dance less sensible um also represented is chess.com the indoor cycling trainer Z Zwift um and several simulators including virtual taekwondo virtual regatta their sailing simulator tennis clash a mobile game Konami's WBSC eBaseball colon Power Pros and the mobile archery game Tic Tac Bow. Ah, yes, of course. And I think your oh yes, of course kind of sums up how people felt. They were like, what is going on here? Um, why not any video games that people play competitively? For starters, uh, well, Ollie Welsh over at Polygon.com did the work. Okay. The title of this article is, quote, We asked the Olympics why their official esports are so weird, which just about sums it up. And credit to the IOC, which is not something people say very often. The Olympic organizing body got down to it and honestly kind of makes sense. Um, in our notes over on the right, I have pasted in their explanation. Give it, give it to me in your best IOC voice. When considering these proposals, it is important to us that the featured games in the Olympic esports series align with the Olympic values. This includes participation inclusivity, such as technical bar barriers to entry, the gender split of player base, and avoiding any personal violence against the backdrop of the IOC's mission, which is to unite the world in peaceful competition. And I was ready to dunk on the IOC, but honestly... Kind of makes sense, right? I mean, I I still think that, like, if you want to have esports be legitimate in the Olympics, you have to get over some of that stuff. Like, it, this, for me, goes, like, with the policy of, like, China showing blood 
in games, right? Uh, I, I think iconically for uh, the LPL or for League of Legends, at least, there's a character, Vladimir, uh, who is the blood vampire. And all of his colors are different on the Chinese server because they cannot show blood. Uh, for me, I part of me understands this. The other part of me, you know, you can get over it and say, yes, it is. You're killing people in a video game, but it's also a video game. And we all shake hands and say GG's afterwards. Uh, so I, I think that, like, getting over that is still something that I think is a bit archaic from the IOC. Uh, but I mean, I can't argue with the gender split of the player base, right? Uh, I mean, that's right. Uh, that yeah, that that I definitely cannot argue. Well, when they were when they were like, "Hey, we wanted to include games that everyone plays," get that. But I also was struck by the technical barriers to entry, which made a lot of it make sense to me because I was like, "Okay, they are not going to include a game that you require a top of the line gaming PC to play." Because if you do that, if you if you include PUBG, just as a recent example yeah. of a high-maintenance competitive game, then you severely limit who can play the game. Yeah. I think it is an interesting goal to say, we're going to try to make the Olympics esports series a set of games that everyone can play, that the gender split of the player base is going to be relatively even, and aren't going to conflict with any of the existing Olympic brand values of not killing people, for instance. I mean, this is something that, like, we've come across, especially with gender split. Like, uh, this is something that, like, uh, for collegiate esports, a big barrier to entry is actually Title IX. Uh, so what Title IX does is it requires a school within plus or minus 1% of the student population to have a sports population that represents that student population. So, like, for example, if your school is 55% uh, female, that means that athletics, 55% of the people that participate must be female, uh, plus or minus 1%. So, like, for esports, that, that obviously is a pretty big barrier to entry if you're going to try and make it official, like, for a varsity sport, because still the player base is, uh, I mean, majorly uh, male. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and you can get down to why that is, which yeah. is that historically women, especially young women who are starting playing games at the same time that teenage boys are, have been harassed out of those spaces. Yeah. And we've talked a lot about, like, my experience playing Valorant, and I do think that is, like, changing. But that is the historic precedent that is being overcome. And so if you select the five most popular esports, then you are going to end up with a competition that is severely weighted towards existing male-dominated spaces. Yeah. And I get why you would want to avoid that. So, here's the challenge I've said in front of us. Uh, I thought it would be fun if we went through and uh, we made our own nine-game list. Oh, okay. Using these constraints. Okay. And attempted to come up with a better list than the IOC. Because understandable ioc i get why you ended up with the list you have but i think under those constraints we can do better okay i'd like to propose pokemon unite i feel like the player base is a little bit more incredible split, choice and i, I don't want to constitute a moba's violence you know going off of like what i right? said before but 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 nobody dies the pokemon simply pass out okay um it is a moba so you have a ton of like all the, all the esports competition that normally happens in MOBA, you have that. It's built on the same engine and system as Honor of Kings. So this is a great choice. It's a mobile game, very accessible. Love it. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to counter-propose we keep Gran Turismo. Okay. I think Gran Turismo is a great choice. It can stay on the list. <laughs> can we keep Just Dance for the memes? I don't think it's a meme. I think Just Dance is a great choice. I'm with you. Oh, Just I don't Dance. know if it's a great choice, but we're keeping it for... Okay, Gran so that's three. Turismo. 
Okay. So we have Pokemon Unite, Just Dance, Gran Turismo. Oh, this is where things get hard. Okay. I I think it's still majority male, but this is where a game like Rocket League would be great. You know, in terms of the violence, the cars blow up, that's about it. And it's soccer. Okay, would you would you more inclusive. I guess it's okay. Rocket League's okay on accessibility. Yeah. You can play it on both consoles and PC. Yeah. Um, the gender disparity does fall off here. Probably. It fits the rest okay, so though. We'll have to think about that, because they clearly they clearly played a little fast and loose with this as well. Yeah. Because the chess.com player base is overwhelmingly majority male, like Google does. I feel like um, we should keep chess, because that's like the one game on the list where it's like, okay, I don't know if this is an eSport or not, but this is kind of legitimate, you know? Well, okay. So I'm going to add Rocket League to the list. I'm going to fight you on chess.com. Oh, yeah. Because they did not add chess to the Olympics, which I would understand. They added chess.com to the Olympics as an eSport. That's dumb as hell. That, that is, with all due respect to the International Olympic Committee of Chess. Dumb as hell. That is, some, that you are taking somebody else's lane there. You apply as chess, get in as chess. I support you. Chess should be in the Olympics but you should sit at a table and play with pieces because that's how high-level chess has always been played historically. It's dumb as hell. That's what you're looking for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm not going to argue there. Just this weekend, um, Hakari, I believe, who's one of the top chess grandmasters, lost a chess.com international competition because he misclicked with his mouse and he put the piece in the wrong place and it lost him the grand final of a big tournament. Mm -hmm. So I think it's obvious that chess.com is not the ideal way to play chess. <laughs> I would agree. Okay. Um, Marvel Snap. Oh. I'm going to... I'm going to say no. I want to push back on Marvel Snap because it's so tied to Marvel. But and I don't know why if it's the rest, but it makes me uncomfortable because it's such a tie-in game, and I wonder if we can get a different digital card game in um, that slot instead. Oh, uh, what was the other big one where it's like a deck build game? It, it's like Clash of Clan. No, it's not Clash of Clans. Clash Royale. Was that Clash it? Clash Royale is a good shout. Would that be? I mean, that's probably the only other one. If we're not going to do Marvel yeah, Snap, yeah, Clash Royale is kind of an RTS. Yeah, I put, I, I'm with you. I think Clash Royale is a good, a good pick. Okay. Um, here's the big question: Honor of Kings. I'm not familiar with Honor of Kings. So, Honor of Kings is a Chinese MOBA, and it's been released in the United States, um, as Arena of Valor, and it is getting re-released as Honor of Kings pretty soon. Okay. And the thing about Honor of Kings is, in China. It has an incredibly split-gendered player base. Like, a ton of women play the game. It's a very casual, friendly MOBA. Is there is there too much MOBA representation if we do Honor of Kings and Pokemon Unite? Is that just... I don't think so. I think there are different ways to play each, too. Like, I, one's a pure mob, mobile game. The other one's on Nintendo Switch, too. They're both on... Well, Honor of Kings may or may not be on Nintendo Switch, but Arena of Valor, which was a reskinned version of Honor of Kings, was on Nintendo Switch. Um, I don't know, I'll put it on with a bullet, and if we think okay. of something better, we can... I mean, we're already kind of running out of gas here, if we're being honest. <laughs> Maybe the IOC was right. Uh, is um, this where we put in, like, The Sims? Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit you with something here. Street Fighter. Okay, I, I, I'm not gonna argue. That's, I, I think... And we're losing, we're losing the gender argument here a little bit. But best fighting game, probably. I mean, unless we go, like, with but Smash. It, but nobody dies in Street Fighter. Yeah. Right, it's it's skinned as a sports competition. Yeah, 
Yeah, Smash people like blow up and stuff, you know. Yeah, Smash people blow up and stuff. Although maybe Smash <laughs> Brothers is a better. It's better for the gender split, I've... most likely. Well, my More argument common. for Street Fighter is that the ideal way to play Street Fighter is in live spaces. So among the pool of people that play competitive games, like all pools of people that play competitive games, it is absolutely male-dominated. But if you go to actual fighting game events, there are a decent amount of women at these events. Yeah, yeah. Still absolutely in the minority, but I feel like you could make the argument for Street Fighter. I, I'm not going to argue against you there's on this. No, there's no getting around the fundamental flaw of the esports space, which is that for a very long time it has been a very exclusionary space, and entire groups of people haven't been allowed to participate in it without being harassed. And that needs to be fixed, and uh, honestly, an organizing body like the IOC can be part of that solution. I'm not going to argue against you on this. We'll put this it that is, way. This is, me, this is my pitch. Yeah. I was going to say to Sepp Blatter, but that's FIFA. Um, this is my pitch to whoever at the IOC, some German guy, me on stage talking to some German guy, being like, you can be part of the solution. I would... Street Fighter. I would once again like to pitch Marvel Snap, because I'm running out of ideas, and I, it's a good game. It is a good game. It's a it's a card game. It's very popular globally right now. Yeah. Um, it's very successful with a casual audience, which is to say that it has a, a bisection of humanity as opposed to a bisection of gamers. Yes. Playing it. But there is a ladder that like people try and climb. We're missing. To. We're missing an obvious one, which is Fortnite. But I guess Fortnite has guns in it, so we just can't. Yeah. That's that's why I didn't bring up. I haven't brought up like anything with violence. Yeah. Uh, GTA 5, no. Uh, oh, what else? What, what about like a race? What, what's like a good racing game that has a decent gender split? We have Gran Turismo on here. Okay. Is there another one that could be good? Just put, <laughs> let's put Mario Kart in there. Why not? You, I, I'm going to push back on Mario Kart with not eSports rules. Oh, boy. I'll put Marvel Snap on there because we didn't think of a better card game. Because I was yeah. going to say like maybe Hearthstone can get in there. Um, oh, let's, we should put an auto battler in there. Like, team fight tactics? I don't know. Okay, let's go. So first of all, let's go Marvel Snap. Yeah. Because I was going to say Hearthstone, but Hearthstone really has been dying as a competitive game. That's too bad. What? So I was, I was going to say an auto battler like team fight tactics. I think that is a good call. However, those characters sure do kill each other. <laughs> those characters sure do shoot guns at each other and kill each other, and that is part of the game. Alright. So I think we need I think we need a separate ninth one. And we're already like Clash Royale is an RTS and there are units in it that kill each other, but they do so in like this Pixar DreamWorks way. Yeah. So I'm crossing my fingers and saying that's gonna be okay. Oh man. And see, this is like where an auto battler would be good. Do we just do Hearthstone Battlegrounds? It's like the least violent auto battler. The cards just die. This is how you end up with a list where people are like what the hell? What is this thing? Why is it on the list? <laughs> do we just do like I, archery? Esport archery? Esport archery? Like, you know, take well, another game they had on the list. I mean, we have just like dancing here. If you want to get into time trials games, Ooh. you can do that. Um, Curious idea. I must say. What's the French racing game I'm blanking on? Oh, I don't know. I'm not um, good with the racing games. It's one of the. It's one of the. There's an Ubisoft time trial racing game. I'm a dirty beak one trick, you know. 
Gonna search Ubisoft time. Do the internet. Which esports are best for kids? That's what I'm gonna do. Oh, very good, very good, very good, very good. Oh, they don't have it. Okay. Esports leagues for kids. Oh, we could do okay, Ratchet and Clank? Yes. No. Could we have competitive Minecraft? Competitive Minecraft is like a fun pull, but you have to remember that uh that's all about killing people. Uh okay. So there's a there's a company now that they have online events for kids you can pay for. They have national Minecraft tournaments, Roblox tournaments. We're idiots. Game for peace. Game for peace? Yes. I've never heard of this. I'm looking it up. We've talked about it previously on the podcast. PUBG Mobile is the most popular cell phone game in the world, so Tencent, who made it, wanted to release it in China. The Chinese government said, you can't do that. It's a game about killing people on an island. We don't want that. And they released a totally unrelated game called Game for Peace about a whole bunch of people who have a paintball competition on an island. Oh, okay, that's it. Yeah, that's it. That's and it is PUBG just... with paintballs. PUBG, but with paintballs made by the same people who made PUBG. Um, it is released on phones, so it's very accessible. Uh, it is very popular. Game for peace. Cool. John! All right. The Sick Esports Official Olympic Games Submission. All nine of our titles. Pokemon Unite. Just Dance. Gran Turismo. Rocket League. Clash Royale. Honor of Kings. Street Fighter. Marvel Snap. And finally, Game for Peace. Because we're peaceful up in here. Woo! I would watch this event, I think. I think it's a better list. I, I mean, that, that, not that that has, like, any merit, but it's a better list, you know? Right. Um, the flaws with our list, there is some overlap between Honor of Kings and Pokemon Unite. Uh, they it. are literally by the same studio. Don't worry about it. In the same genre, using the same engine. They are different games, but there's some overlap, but they are different games. Don't worry about it. But if there's like six different running events, and those all happen on the same course, you know what I mean? If I could win the gold medal in swimming like five different times and then go compete in diving, I can, com I can compete in Honor of Kings and in Pokemon Unite. Sure, they're the same thing. Be a freak athlete. Whatever. You know, be a freak e-athlete. Right. If, you, if I can run a 400 meter and then a 200 meter and those are different events, I can play Pokemon Unite and then Honor of Kings. Thank you, Trash. So, right, exactly. So there's like some stuff there that's overlap. Um, and then Marvel Snap, I don't like the fact that it's a Marvel game. I feel like maybe the IOC would never do that. Um, that might also be true for Pokemon Unite, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then... Game for Peace really skating on thin ice with the non-violent stuff. <laughs> and some of our stuff is really skating on thin ice with just the historic gender imbalance in esports. Eh. But I don't feel like there's much you can do about it. Yeah, unfortunately, that'd be the case. I, I think it's a decent list, TJ. I, I think it's time that we uh, we hit up the next topic. Uh, All right. Which... I feel like we're killing it. This is what, you know, I'm just in a great mood after that fun exercise. Oh, well. If only there was some depressing news. Yeah, let, let's, let's kill some of that mood. Uh, as we have Activision Blizzard, uh, they settle with the Justice Department. Oh, this is great. Let me tell you, Activision Blizzard, always great news out of Activision Blizzard. Whenever someone says Activision Blizzard, I'm like, this is going to be a great news story. Tell me, tell me what's <laughs> up. Okay, so Activision settles with Justice Department for limiting esports players' salaries. So... You may be familiar with this concept called a spending cap. Yeah. Which 
exists in a lot of different sports. Yeah. So like, for example, in the NBA, they call it the luxury tax, right? So there is a salary cap, but if you go over that, then you have to pay a luxury tax. So like you would then have to pay like much more. Um, and there are like penalties involved. Uh, you don't get the same cap like in future years. It balances it out. And the theory is that the way it works is there, there's only a certain amount you can spend on your sports team. And if you spend a ton of money, you get penalized for it, which means that the, the richest teams in the league don't just yeah. outspend everyone else. And like part of it's good for the league, right? Because like in baseball, they don't have that. It's like the Yankees, they spend sometimes 10 times more than like people that they play in the same league or division that they're in, right? So like yeah. part of it, like having salary caps, I think is healthy for sports because it makes the playing feel more even, which is more fun for everyone. And also it's like, some teams can like overspend and force other teams to overspend and that can be unhealthy for the league. So yes, like they are cooperating to like kind of, you know, set the playing field like, I, like, but there is legitimate health to the scene. That's good for it. Yeah. Right. But there is a distinction that happened here. Yes. Most sports organizations have a spending cap, which is the organization cannot spend over this amount on sports related activities. Right. So that includes the amount you're paying the front office, that includes the amount that you're spending on your grounds, you know, it encompasses the operations of the sports org, and it will depend on the sport. Activision Blizzard, in their infinite wisdom, had a player salary cap, which is you cannot spend over a certain amount on player salaries specifically. Yeah, like you couldn't go over a certain player's salary, so they were all lowballing players. Right, and when you do that, what that's called Spot. is illegal in the state of California. <laughs> um, and... No, it's just it's just straight up fucked. Like you, you're actually just like screwing the people that are are playing like your own game. Like, right. Uh, what that's called is illegally limiting the amount of money that your players could earn. And so the Justice Department has now settled with them. There was an ongoing suit. Activision Blizzard, of course, insists that what they were doing was legal in the state of California. Um. The Justice Department does not think it was, and Activision Blizzard is trying their very hardest to be good little boys that get bought by Microsoft so they can be put out of their misery. Um, <laughs> and so part of their situation, it's, it's a bad optics, because the whole really? drama with Microsoft is that various regulators around the world are saying that Microsoft is going to be anti-competitive and they're going to leverage their monopoly power if they're allowed to buy Activision Blizzard. So it is bad optics for Activision Blizzard to be embroiled in a high-profile case of leveraging their monopoly to be anti-competitive as that purchase is happening. So they cut a check to the Justice Department uh, and said they're very sorry and won't ever do it again, but also then turned around to the press and said, uh, do you have the quote in front of you that they gave... Oh, God. Um, I mean, it just said that they discontinued the practice in the midst of the investigation, which, like, already doesn't look good. <laughs> we have always believed and still believe that the competitive balance tax was lawful and it did not have an adverse impact on players' salaries. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because, you know, every team in the league, they were like, hey, you know what? Let's not go over the cap. So then we give that money to every other team in the league. You know, that that's definitely not great motivation. Uh, to go over. The tax was never levied, and the leagues voluntarily dropped it from our rules in 2021. Well, just because it wasn't levied doesn't mean like in the offseason you have every org talking with one another like, hey, we can only spend, let's say, $500,000 on our six players or whatever. Let's never offer someone over 150 k 
like, or like whatever, like the numbers were. It's like, you know, let's not start lowballing all the players. We can try and fit a roster under this like, cap, right? It does seem insane to say that our player salary cap did not have any effect on player salaries. <laughs> it does seem, that does seem <laughs> insane. You will, you will note also, they say, they call it the competitive balance tax in their statement to The Verge. That is, um, I mean, that is just a terrible name for a rule. Like, at least, at least the luxury tax is cool. It's like, all right, you know what? Like, we're going to pay a little dude, bit more good, this year spin. to, like, get yeah. punished, you know? Or, like, hey, you know, like, we're really invested in this team, so, like, we're going to really try and win. We're going to pay extra to the league. No, it's a competitive balance tax. It's like, you must all play by the rules, and if you don't, every other team gets the money that you put in, so then you're still all somehow playing by the rules, even though it's all forked, you know? It's ridiculous. My It's Not a Salary Cap t-shirt is answering a lot of questions raised by It's Not a Salary Cap t-shirt. Oh, God. <laughs> it's um, so incredible. Uh, Activision Blizzard maybe would have fought this all the way to court. Instead, they settled because they wanted people by Microsoft. Uh, I guess the like big picture for esports is absolutely in the Overwatch League specifically, you had a whole bunch of big sports organizations coming in with way too much money and yeah. buying the best talent for more than they were worth. We've yeah. also seen this in the LCS, um, where the LCS is, has a lot of deep pockets, and so these unprofitable, deeply unprofitable teams are spending incredible amounts on player, incredible amounts on player salaries. Yeah, and this also happens in China, I believe. And uh, like, for the LCS, don't get me wrong. Like, I, I, I am actually somewhat for like salary caps. I think that a lot of the issues, as you pointed out, is like not only are teams paying a lot for players, but also this is VC money where you need a return on investment. So that's money that could be used to monetize that a lot of orgs are not using to monetize, and instead are just using to buy a player and hope that gets them wins, and then that is what actually works for them, which is quite the gamble. Uh, and we have seen. A big bubble pop, especially in the LCS, in terms of player buyouts and player salaries of late with money leaving the space, with VCs leaving the space because they didn't see a return on investment. Um, I am for player, like, I think salary caps are good. I think the way this was managed was freaking terrible uh, with the league. And you need to set a salary cap where you feel like uh, it's okay to have a difference in spending even with a salary cap, you know? Um, I, I think that's kind of where Activision Blizzard messed up, uh, as it seems like the salary cap was actually way too low. It it was low, but also, again, it was specifically a player salary cap. Yeah. Formula One has a spending cap. It yes. is instituted on the Formula One team. And yes. that is different, saying, hey, the entire team, executives included, you know, pit crew included, cook included. The tech for the car. spend this million dollars per year. Yeah. Yeah. And those numbers will get shuffled around, right? Yeah. That is different from, hey, you can't pay players more than this amount of money. That's yeah. a very specific yeah. messing with somebody's paycheck. Yeah. That I'm, is. I, again, in the NBA, like, they have max deals. But, like, I mean, the max deals are filthy. And also, the big part about how that's, re like, regulated is that all this is there? It's all done in collective bargaining agreements between a players' association and the league. This was just Overwatch League saying, "All right, this is what it is for all the teams. Players don't get any say." And that that is actually a bigger problem in all this too. The fact that like it is just top down and there is no agreement. Right? Um, I think every esport there has been some argument for a player association at some point. It's never really been done so successfully. 
don't know if it ever will be done so successfully. But again, that is a way in the NBA that gives the players a lot of power. So they still feel like they're getting paid. Uh, also, the way they do it in the NBA is that in order to there's a max deal and then there is a super max. So in order to get the super max, which is more money, you have to stay with your team, which was like really encouraging like star players to keep on playing for their team, which is really good for the league in the long haul because it's fun seeing Giannis play for the Bucks. Like the Milwaukee Bucks are a small market team. Giannis is the best player in the league. Seeing him stay there is really cool, right? That's really healthy for the NBA. Yeah, I don't know anything about the Milwaukee Bucks, but sure. Yeah. Um, I, I guess we can wrap this up with just reading from the federal government's filing. Um, they say, quote, Teams recognized that their spending on player compensation would have been higher absent the competitive balance tax. The tax minimized the risk that one team would substantially outbid another for a player. The tax not only harmed the highest paid players, but also depressed wages for all players on a team. Um, so they, they looked at the salaries and the numbers went down, is what the DOJ is saying. Um, so yeah, Activision Blizzard yet another winner in the headlines. I mean, isn't that just how we wrap up every Activision Blizzard segment? <laughs> yep. Uh, we'll put a link to the full story of the reporting by The Verge, Ash Parrish over at The Verge. That will be in the show notes. Um, I actually like, since we're on Activision Blizzard, let's just hit another topic, uh, someone involving Activision Blizzard. We'll give them some good news, TJ. Mm -hmm. Would you like some good news for Activision Blizzard? I mean, Sure. All right. Why, for a change, why not? As a treat. Uh, well, uh, hey, shout out to COD League uh, as the CDL. Uh, they are making their return to YouTube gaming, but guess what? This time around, it's actually not exclusive to YouTube. Uh, so they can be streamed elsewhere. Uh, I believe that in this article, it was highlighted as one of the most well-received announcements in the history of COD, like CDL. Uh, the fact that it can be viewed everywhere, but it still is on YouTube gaming. Um, it, I mean, being on Twitch too is a, a big spike. Uh, it's really good. Um, yeah. and we'll link this. Wow. We'll link this right up. Um, this is by Preston Byers in dot esports. I'll, I'll link this right up because the full title is call of duty league returns to YouTube in a non-exclusive deal. And that's good for everybody. Uh, and he kind of lays out the call of duty fan argument for why it's great. that call of duty league is now on Twitch and YouTube. I will say good for everybody question mark where is the money because previously call of duty league was of course exclusive to youtube which was banned for viewership but did mean they were getting paid a massive they were being cut a massive check from youtube.com google was paying them an incredible amount of money to produce their esports league exclusively on their website twitch has indicated they are not in the business of cutting those deals anymore if youtube is not cutting that deal is Call of Duty League just out an incredible amount of their revenue? Uh, yeah. I mean, it it is because it was a massive deal with Activision Blizzard. Like, there was no doubt about that. There's no doubt they're losing revenue, but those deals just do not exist anymore. Um, and the fact that it's... Well, cer certainly not for Call of Duty League, a league that has persistently underperformed. I mean, when was, like, when was the last time we saw an exclusive esport deal signed in terms of broadcast rights? It's been a couple of years, I feel like. Yeah, I, I there have been there have been definitely some deals done around um, ESL events. Yeah, 
recently, but but those haven't been exclusive. Those have been preferred performance somewhere. Twitch exclusivity just ended actually for ESL's main products. So, uh, so it it is reported that the league has agreed to a new three-year deal with YouTube to again make the league exclusive to the Twitch competitor. Um, but, but that but that turned out not to be true. It did. That was we covered this about a week ago. Um, when the Call of Duty League team owners were hearing that rumor, spreading that rumor. Yeah. Now, I mean, the and good news... Either they backed off of that yeah. or it never happened. So the good news is that even if they are out of massive revenue, it's it's good for the league still like getting way more exposure. I think that that's just how you have to handle it. I, I, I think it is good. Uh, do you want to talk about this like other tidbit, Activision Blizzard Call of Duty news? Uh, yeah, so there's going to be the World Series of Warzones coming back. Which is a great title, which is if you need to name an esports tournament, get that guy. Who yeah. named that tournament? Killing it. I mean, it, it's going to be uh, a pretty big circuit. There's 1.2 million prizing. And and Call of Duty Warzone is the uh, Battle Royale attachment. It's free to play, it's is fun. my understanding. And it's, it's separate fun. from Call of Duty, the main game, but yeah. also comes with it and uses all the same assets and all the same it's... gun handling and all of that. It's really um, buggy. And it has been a little bit of a sleeper hit. Yeah. Um, just a very consistent performer for Activision Blizzard. So it's interesting that they are now investing in esports to maintain that player base and to build that retention. It's really buggy, but it's really fun, is what I'll say. I, it's actually my favorite Battle Royale to play. Really? Over yeah. the Apex Legends, PUBG, All of it. Fortnite? I think it's the most... I think it's the easiest to approach. Uh, and because of... Some of the map mechanics keep it moving really quickly, uh, like getting kill streaks or like the way that the parachutes work. It feels like it moves faster than other battle royales, uh, and I like the gulag feature. Like you get two lives, that's fun. Yeah, if you if you die, you can fight your way back yes, out of fun. Uh, the death. Um, so Warzone entering this esports space now. They did have previous tournaments, kind of one-off events. This represents a full-on investment into esports. Um, they join a, a crowded battle royale market, but not one where anyone has really solved the esports problem. Mm -hmm. um, they're, they're, I think the most successful battle royale esport by a long shot is PUBG Mobile. Um, the aforementioned PUBG Mobile uh, in China. Game of Peace is an incredibly big performer. Uh, they also do very well across Southeast Asia and India, where the game is incredibly popular. That's kind of the game in town to beat. There is also some esports... Uh, that does not perform well from both PUBG, the main game, and the EA Battle Royale, which is Apex Legends. Uh, Fortnite esports have kind of trailed off. None of those games perform well. PUBG Mobile is produced by Tencent, who of course have real esports credibility and muscle in Southeast Asia. Uh, main PUBG is produced by their Korean publisher and owner, Krafton, who have not cracked the nut in the same way. So I think that there is... There is ground there to be gained in the West, where nobody really has made PUBG uh, or Battle Royale esports work. Yeah. And if the Call of Duty IP is going to succeed, that is where. Uh, let's close ourselves out. Do you want to talk about League of Legends mess or Valorant mess? Uh, I think we do Valorant first. Um... Okay. I'll set this up then. 
We have talked previously, Valorant, very confusing product, is doing very well statistically. Valorant is incredibly popular in the United States right now, incredibly popular with young people across the United States, Europe, and Latin America right now. Mm -hmm. It's really the game to beat in terms of online competitive games, as far as we can tell. The only games that are in the same ballpark are League of Legends and Counter-Strike. Um, and their esports scene has enjoyed success, question mark, um, pulling hundreds of thousands of viewers on co-streams, uh, which is to say that when there is a major event, the viewership for the event is not on the main broadcast channel of Riot Games. It tends to be on co-streams authorized by Riot Games, where a partnered streamer live streams themselves yes. watching the feed. When we've talked a little bit on here about the viewership numbers, uh, about our concern, and guess what? We still have those concerns. Yeah, so so my main reference here, what kind of prompted this, was I watched the opening weekend of VCT. I, I must be honest, I watched it on the main feed, and I found their main... I was watching the Americas, uh, which is a very fun idea. They've, they've pulled together Latin America and North America. North America, a kind of struggling esports region. Latin America, a growing one. It makes a lot of sense to combine them. And let me tell you, smaller Latin American esports organizations are absolutely wiping the floor with the biggest names in venture capital investment in North America, which is very fun to watch. However, the broadcast was not great, from my opinion, especially because that is out of the main Riot Games LA studio. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a great time watching the show, and the numbers weren't great. Uh, and then I looked at this article. This was written in... Esports Charts, esportscharts.com, a very trusted analytics site in the industry for keeping track of what tournaments are earning what. And it was written up by their Ravi Iyer. And Ravi uh, did what Riot does. And he combined all of the viewership across every broadcast, including authorized co-streams, including multiple different languages. And he walked away with the number. The peak concurrent viewership for day one of the VCT in North America was 400,000 which is pretty good. Yeah. And I just had the problem that I happened to be watching it on the main feed and I never saw a number remotely that big. Yep. Um, so I want to I wanna attach some qualifiers here. We do not have access to the same statistics as esports charts. We're going to have to wait for them to finish uh, their kind of block and do a lo longer write-up, do some more analysis. But, but I did do a look-up. Um, I did go to the stats for the main Twitch channels. This does not include their YouTube broadcast, which also had decent viewership, but not as high viewership. Um, and on their main Twitch channel, their concurrent viewership for the day that they hit 400,000 total viewers across every broadcast, their, their main channel's peak was just 65,000. Yeah, uh, and we have Tarek sitting at the average of 74,000 and peaking at 136,000, who is the biggest right. co-streamer for Valorant. So it would appear, with all of the asterisks as mentioned, I only have the stats for their Twitch channel. I think their YouTube channel did an, did a... I don't think their YouTube channel did very well. It did, it did well compared to what a YouTube channel normally pulls for a live esports event. YouTube, by far, not the preferred platform. But at the eyeball test, it was hovering around 20k. Um, which would not make a significant difference. At the same time, the, the main Twitch channel was hitting 65,000 viewers. 
a co-streamer, a Twitch streamer, a former professional player who was just live streaming himself watching the tournament had more viewers than the tournament. 136,000 to like 65,000 like on Twitch. Double the P. That's not good. So my takeaway from that is that they still have the same problems. Valorant is still struggling to make their main product, their broadcast product that they are selling sponsorship against, appealing to fans. They're still struggling to connect with that audience, and they are still patching that hole by having partnered co-streamers distribute to the audience in a way that the audience is more attracted to, finds more palatable. Um... Which, you know, the good news is that audience is there. The good news is if they can figure that out, they can get those viewers. They have 400,000 people who want to watch day one of the Americas. But I would not be surprised if they don't make changes for that number to continue to shrink. For them to continue to struggle. Because yep. that is an awful lot of... A, that is an awfully big mismatch between the broadcast they yep. are producing and the audience's lack of engagement with them. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I think co-streaming is great. Um, I, esports pioneered co-streaming. I, I think ESPN was following esports when they started doing like the A-Rod co-streams for baseball or the Manning cast on Monday nights. Uh, I think co-streaming is cool. But there's a problem where like the way you want that to work is that you want your main broadcast to have probably two to three times the viewers of the co-stream, right? Like if you're ESPN, you probably open the main broadcast is two or three times as big as the Manning cast that's on ESPN too. That's not the case here. Uh, and also, I mean, it's Tarek's own channel, so good for him. Uh, and like, he has a bunch of friends on, he has pros. Like it, it feels like you're watching in a living room, you know, with the games, it's a fun vibe. That's why co-streaming is cool. But what are you doing? If you're getting outperformed like this as the main broadcast, like that, that is really concerning for a lot of people involved. You have no, um, you have no other choice but to pretty much give Tarek a blank check to be on your broadcast. Like uh, that is the, literally the best thing that you could do. I think if you put Tarek on the main broadcast, you would not get those one hundred thirty-six thousand people to tune in because the main broadcast has really good broadcast talent on it. Yeah, and they are already underutilizing that talent. Is what I would say from having watched the broadcast. I I, I haven't watched the broadcast, so I I, I won't comment on that. You and one hundred thirty-six other people at least. I will say six thousand other people. I did tune into a Terraco stream for like three rounds, just to see like yeah. what what was up, you know. Um. Yeah. No. I I talked to I did some research. I talked to some friends of mine who are very big esports fans. And they're all watching on the Tarek stream. Yep. I talked to some friends of mine who are Valorant players who would not normally be in the esports player base, some women who play Valorant, um, who historically have been underserved by esports. And they said flat out, the main broadcast makes me feel uncomfortable. I don't enjoy watching it. I don't really want to watch the Tarek like bro zone. Yeah. Like, just kind of nothing is serving that audience, which is a huge percentage of Valorant's player base. So I don't know. I think that, I think they are dropping the ball. The good news again, if you're looking for the hopeful take, is that Valorant continues to perform very well as a streamed game, as a band of YouTube and TikTok content, as a game that people play. Its numbers are very good, so they have time to figure out the esports thing. But the point of esports is player retention. It is a very good tool for keeping an engaged player base in your game. And if you're spending as much on it as Riot are, you are hoping to be hitting a 
bigger proportion of the player base than they are right now. Yeah. Um, good weekend for Valorant overall. They they proved yet again that their audience is growing. They outperformed Counter Strike this weekend. I I had a screenshot most most popular viewership or highest viewership per game on Twitch over the course of the week. You can see that's also stats from TwitchTracker.com. Um, and six percent of people watching Twitch on average were watching Valorant, which is pretty good. Yeah, it's 145 average concurrent viewers watching Valorant as a game. Um, Counter Strike didn't have a big opening weekend event, so you can't really. It's not really fair competition. But Counter Strike did have some esports going on, and it is behind. They're they're at 84,000. Um, but I would say, Counter Strike is releasing a new version of their game, Counter Strike Two, that is coming out. Counter Strike has a major coming up in in sync with this new version of their game coming up. They're hosting the, one of the four biggest events of the year uh, in a big stadium in Paris with an incredibly good broadcast crew. I would say Valorant needs to watch out. You know, this is the time where having an esports scene that is vibrant and connected with the player base really helps a game because they don't want to go play Counter-Strike because they're, they're not playing Valorant for the mechanics. They're playing it to be part of the stories too because they're attached to the players. That's how esports helps retain players. And if their esports scene is not connecting with that audience, they do not have that extra glue to stick people to their game. And if I were working at Riot Games, working on Valorant, as Counter-Strike continues to hit player base high weekend after weekend, they're setting new records every week. They're hitting millions and millions of concurrent players. I would begin to be concerned. I would be absolutely trying to counter-program them. Ah, well, uh, speaking of... Being concerned, being concerned at Riot Games. Uh, oh, Riot yeah. Games being concerned. Yeah. Uh, and maybe, you know, some legacy uh, names and titles, you know, uh, rethinking where they're at in space. We got some uh, League of Legends news in here, uh, which surprisingly is not the only reason I'm on this podcast, but it, it, we are now in the comfort zone, TJ. Uh, as... Welcome to the cubby zone. No. Yeah, it's the comfort <laughs> zone for me. Uh, all right. So we have some pretty big news uh, for the LCS which is one of the legacy brands of the space, CounterLogic Gaming, a team that uh, was originally founded, like the uh, the founder played top lane, Hotshot GG for CLG and League of Legends. Uh, they are folding its esports brand. Now, they are owned by MSG, uh, so Madison Square Garden, uh, but they are selling the uh, slot to NRG. Uh, so NRG will take the franchise slot. MSG becomes a major partner in NRG, according to the NRG announcement. Uh, and CLG will be no more. The brand is dead. They will now be NRG. Uh, so pretty big news. Uh, and honestly, a lot of league fans, I know, pretty sad to see CLG go as they, they do have a lot of history in the league. Uh, one of the top teams originally in NA. Uh, and a lot of the uh, people let go. Some really good people at CLG that actually turned things around quite a bit in the last two years. Uh, some of whom I consider friends as well. Uh, definitely bummed to see a lot of people lose their job. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, acquisition made in the league and the first franchise slot to sell since Immortals got back in and bought out Optic, which was a few years back. So I think that was 2020. Uh, and more teams are looking to sell. Uh, so it's a big deal that one of the teams did sell because that number will now kind of set the valuation for other teams in the league too. Yeah, and and it, for what it is worth, it does appear 
that the CLG slot was valued pretty highly. It does appear that yes. Riot Games' LCS is still viewed as a preeminent franchised esports league. So the odds that we hear this number are very low. Uh, all I know is that I heard that the number was not small. <laughs> so pretty much like... All I've heard is that it's like it's not terrible for the league because like I think the franchise slots like the last one sold was around thirty million dollar valuation. Like if a slot then sells for twenty mil, like that's bad, right? Like that that devalues everyone in the league. I heard that's not going to be the case. Uh, I know that also FlyQuest they changed hands in ownership uh, this past off season. We never heard about that number, but apparently like that number was fine too. So it, it, even though like it does still feel like an esports winner and seeing things change hands is interesting, it's not like it's super devalued, which is good, uh, but still is a very, very interesting uh, scenario that's going on right now. Some context, uh, of course, NRG do have a Overwatch League slot. They are one of the they yeah. are one of the teams basically formed around buying into the Overwatch League. The Overwatch League cost twenty million to buy into. Um, so, yeah, uh, but really big news. Uh, and also, I mean, it comes with the fact that, uh, the other legacy brand that has the biggest, most fans in LCS, TSM, uh, they are looking to pause esports operations in many places and likely looking to sell, uh, TSM. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Do I have to dunk on CLG first? Can I? Oh, oh you got to dunk on them. Well, I'm going to say two things. Okay. Um, first of all, CLG, obviously... I think everyone in esports was rooting for them to turn it around. They were a they were one of the esports player founded organizations, right? Like TSM, um, they they came out of a group of people being very good at the video game and then making a team and then that brand being so successful that investors gave them money. Um, and for a very long time, they didn't make any of that money back. They got bought by the Madison Square Garden group, and Madison Square Garden Group essentially put them on austerity. Um, I heard several people inside the organization tell me over a period of several years that, you know, it wasn't great. They didn't have as much money as the other teams, but they felt good about it because they had a roadmap. They had a plan to get profitable. They knew what their budget was. They felt like they were in good hands. Mm -hmm. um, so it is a shame to see that kind of promise of it's going to be tough, but we're going to get you profitable. We're going to spend a little less now than other big, splashy esports brands, but we're going to turn it around. It's a shame to see that promise kind of vanish. I will also say that about two months ago, I was offered a gig from CLG for an embarrassingly small amount of money. For, I will say, about an eighth of what I charge for a pretty sizable gig. So... I don't know if that's attached. I've been paid well by CLG in the past. I've worked with some lovely people there yeah. who were great to work with. I don't know what was up with that, but it made me think at the time that there might have been some financial difficulties going on. Interesting. Um, okay. And I would be curious to know. I feel comfortable saying that now yeah. because allegedly nobody is working at CLG except for in the League of Legends yeah. division. It's only that vertical. Uh, um, and energy will populate the rest most likely. So I feel comfortable saying that because I know nobody's gonna nobody's gonna be yeah. called out for it. At the time, I did wonder if there was maybe some some declining budgets yeah. happening outside of their League of Legends division. Yeah, and of course, obviously, hard sound to anyone who lost their job because yeah. a lot of those people outside, I think, especially their Counter Strike teams, 
did a lot of really good work over the years. Yeah. CLG Red um, yep. was one of the first women's Counter-Strike teams that really made a dent in women's esports. Yep. Um, and a lot of the players from that team have gone on to become really substantial names in the women's esports scene, are huge members of the Valorant scene. Valorant Game Changers has been really investing in women's esports. Um, and ESL has a new uh, women's Counter-Strike League that features a lot of the alumnus of CLG. So they really made a dent there. They really improved multiple scenes. Uh, and hopefully uh, as many of those people as possible land on their feet in a tough job climate. Yeah, uh, same here. I have a lot of respect for a lot of the people over at CLG, especially Greg Kim, uh, who is heading things up uh, and was a part of a really big turnaround. I mean, that team, like, they were terrible in 2020. Uh, they had all, like, vets. They paid way too much money for them. The team, they put, like, there was the Bud Light Ace meme. It was bad. There was a lot of bad sentiment around CLG, and they really turned things around in the last two years. Uh, and so it's kind of that, a of bummer. Course, their, their League of Legends team. Yeah, I, and I mean, not just that, but like also as the org, I think they were putting out better content, like they were, had a better brand. Uh, I, I credit Greg and everyone that like over there quite a bit with that turnaround. I think they did good work and uh, hope that, you know, whatever, whatever like, I know a lot of employees didn't unfortunately lose their job, but I hope that, you know, wherever they land next on their feet, the orgs, other orgs in the space realize that there was some good work done over at CLG with those can people. I, so. Can I make a dark joke? Yeah. Well, they won't be working at TSM. Okay, well, that's true. Uh, all right, so I guess that's that's good for TSM. But TSM, of course, uh, they rumors uh, they're going to be pausing most of its esports efforts in several titles and then selling the LCS slot. Uh, it is worth noting that for LCS right now, there is literally one employee that is not a player that is the head coach of everything now. His name's Chai. That's it. Uh, it's like that, like a new GM they have, and like everything else is just empty, uh, yeah. which is very, very, very sad. Um, they need to get bought out. Their their yeah, team is hundred percent on the block. And TSM is one of again those legacy esports names in League of Legends. Yes, League of Legends is their bread and butter. Um, th there's a write up I will link uh, actually for both these stories: Madison Square Garden selling CLG and TSM purchasing, or or TSM pausing their efforts in esports. Uh, both were written up in Sports Business Journal by. Kevin Hitt, who does a lot of great coverage yep. of the business side of esports. Those links will be, in the, will be in the show notes. Yeah, Kevin got some good quotes. Um, TSM canceling or trying to sell their League of Legends spot. They've already dropped a whole bunch of their teams across the rest of esports. They notably had a world champion Rainbow Six Siege team that, that fell apart earlier this year. I don't know what's left. Well, and the the only thing that they mentioned that Kevin Hitt mentions in the article as like a speculation of what they could be refocusing on, what TSM as an organization means, is that they own the Blitz.gg app. Yeah. Um, if you could briefly explain what that is, you'll do a better job than I. Yeah. So Blitz, it's a plugin. You can download it. It helps you with like a lot of games. It just like develops like in-game skills and strategies. So like for League. Uh, you like get builds, uh, like recommended build paths, and, like some like tips for the champion. Uh, for other games, it gives you the same. It's like one of those manuals you used to get in game. Yeah, packets, but, but like overlaid over your game yeah. at all times. Uh, it, it's it's a successful app. Like they they're definitely profitable from that aspect of things. Uh, but I mean, a lot of this too is that they had that FTX deal that would have been two hundred and ten mil, and it's just gone now. So yeah. that that did like I don't 
TSM has a bad rep- reputation uh, of late, and a lot of that is deserved. But I want to say financially, I don't want to flame them too much because, I mean, that was a crazy deal to sign. Um, and it's just gone now, which which is to <sighs> only some fault to their own. Like, there's not okay. like there's no fault, but some fault. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm with you that they got promised $210 million by FTX and those $210 million vanished. And they got like that. That is it. absolutely. Yeah. But also, it was crypto. Everyone knew FTX. Also, like, the same amount of blame that everyone yeah. else who invested in FTX gets, I think. Also, of, like, why? how did you believe this? Why did you invest in FTX? It doesn't excuse a lot of the mismanagement and things that TSM did wrong. Uh, so, but I, yeah. I will say money-wise, I have some sympathy. That That's all I'm saying. Yes, that money did disappear yeah. with the collapse of FTX. Now, I'm sure... People the, know about FTX. The other and rumor that's not mentioned in this article that's flying around is that TSM, not only are they looking to sell their LCS slot, but they're looking to snowball that into getting into the LPL. Uh, that's been which a would, very which would mean a Chinese buyout. Yes, that is a very popular rumor that is flying around that honestly, from what I know, uh, it could happen. Uh, so that's something that's going to be pretty interesting to see um, if that ends up happening. Because uh, so TSM um, might still be in League of Legends, but also they could just go to Blitzapp and being a web developer. So we'll see. Yeah, so so TSM does have an incredibly popular brand with League of Legends players, and I would say it is a weirdly strong brand with Chinese League of Legends players. They for a very long time had some of the most talented players appearing on the international stage wearing their jersey. And I don't think it's an insane thing to do to sell your North American League of Legends slot and buy a Chinese slot. It's not because League of Legends is growing in China and. The LCS still isn't seeing numbers go up in yeah. North America. It's I, I can't sit here and say it's a bad business move. That's so, that's the rumor flying around. So, yeah, if they have a stockpile of cash, okay. they're shutting down everything else. They're selling their LCS slot, and they're going to put all that cash into starting up in China. I don't think that's crazy. Nope. It would mean a Chinese buyout because you yep. absolutely cannot operate in China without having some kind of Chinese ownership. Yep. Um. So I I do wonder in what form they would be operating in the LPL. We'll see. But, it, but that the, that's that's the, the rumor. Yeah, yeah, that is a that is a very interesting rumor. Yeah, I it, it's not the article, but it's very popular right now among the league space. And from what I've heard, I don't have anything to confirm it, but I also don't have many reasons to doubt it. So take that for what it's worth. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, I think that's esports, as we say. You can find new episodes each week at sickesports.com, as well as the podcast provider of your choice. You can find Cubby at CubbyXX on Twitter, and myself, TJ, at esportstj.com. Stay safe, be kind to yourself, and get paid what you're worth.